to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good day, Lister, and welcome to episode 151 of the Big Red Couch. Joining me today on the uh, co-located remote island outpost B of the couch is... Craig. And I'm Ben. Hey, Craig. How's it going in uh, that place with the things? The the mist-shrouded um, Isles of Merry England? Indeed. Those were some spooky-ass uh, Silent Hill pics that you, you shared earlier. So that was... Uh, that's fun. Yeah, I don't think the mist actually burned off all day. But to be fair, all day basically finishes at four in the afternoon here. So... It's not as if it had a great time window to work with. Miss Shrouded Nightmare World. I get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> we, we, we've just hit that, that particular part of the Auckland season where everything sticks to everything, and as long as you don't move, it's lovely. <laughs> oh, but then the heat sinks into your bones and stays there? It's not quite there yet, but it's definitely, uh, it's definitely in, in, in the pores and, uh, you know, the close parts. <laughs> yep. Yep. Humidity. All right, enough of the weather talk. I'm sure the people are already terribly bored of that. So we should introduce our exciting, definitely not unspeakable terror or sticky topic, which is... Leroy's Missing Hedge Veg. And, yes, the providence of this prompt, well, it came from Craig's colleague, Alex. That is correct. The actual origin or the the original story that it refers to is lost to the mists of time isn't it craig yes some vague hints remain <laughs> none of them good none, none of them good let's just say that if you you take that prompt and you imagine the worst thing you can hold that in your mind because it's still going to be better than what actually happened excellent so yeah we have the uh dire task of creating fascinating role-playing scenarios that might be pitched to an imaginary audience of non-imaginary people. I guess that's the audience collective thing that is imaginary in in my mind. I'm sure there are actual people listening. Hello, thank you for listening. It's been bunches of episodes, and and we really appreciate there are folks out here listening to our particularly gormless brand of rambling. I like to think we've cornered the market on that. But I know I I know we're wrong. But yeah, thanks thanks to COVID nineteen, there are a lot of like feckless noddies just sitting around. But but these days they're quite like professional speakers and comedians and so forth. They've all been herded into their into their like spare rooms in front of microphones. So the the podcast scene has just exploded. Fucking everybody has a podcast. It's it's ridiculous. But here we are soldiering on on our uniquely awkward tri-weekly basis from and we're not not the old old guard but we've been doing this for a little while now and watching all these newcomers turn up and you know flaunt the fact that like they've been do it better yeah yeah they're, they're more their, their sound quality is better they were they were the president or democratic nominee to become the president of the united states of america you know those sort of unqualified clowns yeah <laughs> it's it's like what honing in on our patch this is disgusting yeah, it's um, it's a strange time. This world we live in is uh, all topsy turvy and turned around. <laughs> it is. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. Well, you 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 youngsters with your your vidcasting and your YouTube. Oh, true, true. Yeah, yeah. One, I think something that the people aren't aware of is that Craig and I are both anime avatars playing video games as well. It just doesn't come across. On the uh, whole podcast medium, so much. Mm, yeah, if if it helps, imagine that I'm wearing some of those uh, those headphones with the cat ears with the little speakers in them. Indeed, man, that must be bad for record, <laughs> and probably heavy and dull as well upon the head. <laughs> Oops. I mean, I desperately want a pair of those, but at the same time, I realise that I have no actual use for them whatsoever, other than I just really want a pair of. Headphones with cat ears on them. I'm, I'm not sure if you're like a big in- Instagram thirst trap guy, but maybe there's probably uh, a market for it. 
Instagram thirst trap and oh, people, people basically posting pictures of themselves uh, to get people uh, excited and aroused and. Strong light is not my friend. <laughs> That's fair. You, there, there are there are there are probably a myriad of techniques to help uh, present oneself in the in the best, as you say, possible light. And you know, hairy dudes and cat ears is going to be someone's thing. I mean, and more power to them. That's fair. That's fair. I That's do fair. have my hair in two braids today. Well, there you go. You're, you're already a VTuber. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. That's as much qualification as as anyone can ask for. I feel. Okay, that's good to know. All right. Uh, so, so I should. I'll, I'll set up an OnlyFans. It'll be brilliant. Yeah, just just say Kawe Desu a couple of times. <laughs> it'll all oh. fall into place. Alrighty, where are we going with this bullshit? Okay. Um, I think we're just running away from the topic. Um, I, I've actually got what I consider to be a non-war crime level idea. Well, now I feel really bad about mine. <laughs> okay, yeah, lay, lay, lay your, your your nice and wholesome idea on us. Then bring the whole tone of the episode up, Ben. Actually, strictly speaking, it it's about war crimes, but it the, hopefully the idea doesn't. Let's see how we go. Okay, are you retreading springtime for Hitler? <laughs> Not yet, but there is a definite potential. If yeah, if there is a springtime for Hitler RPG, I don't want to know about it. I kind of do, but yeah. yeah. Look, I, there, there was literally a very short-run sitcom called yes. Heil Honey, I'm Home. Yes, we that was... do not need the RPG. <laughs> <laughs> not I'm sure that the, 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 we know worse things exist, but we do not name them because they don't need the oxygen. Nor do That's the true. creators, to be fair. Um, so so lay, lay your right ear on us, please, hey, before we hey. keep talking. <laughs> All right, Leroy Smidgens the Tenth, King of the Gnomes of Chrysanthemum Christ, is vexed. Someone has been stealing his prized vegetables and is presumably doing unspeakable things to them. Naturally, he blames his own rivals, the Home Owners Association elves of the Muse on Falkirk. Though the predations of the vagabonds of Ilding Reserve cannot be ruled out. So, basically, the borrowers, but they're at war over some vegetables play out a like a large scale dramatic medieval conflict in the but on the scale of tiny people on a cul-de-sac basically take a stuffy low-stakes suburban squabble scale the 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 actors down and make it a bloody internet scene like go all the fully game of thrones conflict on it wow battles being fought on like the harsh rocky grey expanses between the various domains so you know, the pavement yeah yeah <laughs> lots of lots of intrigue and infighting and the different the different factions being some somewhere in the range between genuine fey folk and actual lawn ornaments There's some terrible degeneration has happened possibly on both sides it's hard to say but the, the peoples around uh, presumably um Chrysanthemum close, close and Falkirk Road are, uh, are fighting these pitch, this pitched conflict for for the survival of the vegetables. It's basically, I mean, there was there was there was a, there was a particularly bloody part of the the invasion of France in World War Two, where the Allies were fighting hedgerow to hedgerow, and these were some serious hedgerows. These were these were you know vegetable partitions between grazing things and have been built up for the for, for years although they were, so they were obliged to blast their way through like from from field to field while the germans fell back from position to position so was, the beach was bad enough but yes there's this like this, this, this slow this slog of transversing through this this sort of countryside but the idea that you have scaled it down and the other thing that to make the uh to to, to round out the setting is that the big people are gone and nobody knows what happened to them and presumably the same event led at least very least to the rise or possibly the um evolution or the the transformation of the wee folks who are who are fighting these desperate battles and the context should be entirely that they're always you know the grand nation was it the the, the grand nations of chrysanthemum close and everything is is seen from this like the view of somebody quarter of an inch or half an inch tall 
sort of thing. So you make it make it a really ridiculous, thundering epic in like two streets and a bit of a park. Nice. This is possibly a, me working through my trauma of trying to purchase a house at the moment. Fair enough. <laughs> and it puts me in mind of the, the movie Small Soldiers. Eh, a little bit, yeah, yeah. And the, the Terry Pratchett uh, Bromeliad trilogy of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Truckers, Diggers and Wings. I, I definitely want to get the, the bloodthirstiness of Small Soldiers and kind of like the creativeness. I, I recall many moons ago, and I actually just, just went through, you know, I have some, I have like emails and text files like from the mid 90s in no useful form but stored away in in random bits of hard drives you know and back at the um the the reason i flunked out of university was we were i was mucking around with text-based muds and one of the offshoots that never got even remotely started that i worked with somebody was literally a world of tiny heroes roaming around fighting you know dust mites and finding like ah uh, the the you know make f- fashioning their um armor out of the the indestructible tinfoil or finding aspirin as like a magical healing compound and things like that so that, that's probably harking back to that sort of idea interesting i like the whole you know the big people have gone away aspect because it means you don't you don't have to worry about the whole we're having this enormous battle on somebody's lawn but nobody noticed mm. well it's not going to be uh, nobody. Nobody noticing isn't as bad as somebody mowing the lawn, I guess. Um, but if somebody's got a ride-on mower and they can figure out how to get the damn thing started, I'm thinking of making them. Uh, the, the folks would be that small, and also, you know, all of the technology is is that out of is that disused. Is that likely they'll ever get? Yeah, there might be one thing that's like the terrifying mobile fortress, but that's like an RC car or something. Yeah, haven't quite fixed on this on the scale, but the idea that that it is folks roaming around this this massive land with you know full of mind-bogglingly gigantic ruins and so forth is quite interesting. Hmm. Potentially shades of the movie Nine. A little, yeah, yeah. I mean, if certainly if you if it was more horror focused, or if you do it like yeah. a horror offshoot, and you know maybe there are things moving around. I mean. There, yeah. There's a there's a, a multiplayer game called Grounded at the moment, where you're um, basically you've been hunting. I shrunk to the kids, and you're trying to survive in a backyard kind of setting with aphids and ants and spiders and so forth, giving you a hard time. Interesting. That's kind of cool. Um, any any thoughts as to system? Not specifically. You could go OSR on this one. Um, anything, and you know the idea that it could it could slot into like any sort depending on the technology levels and what sort of things you wanted to play out but i think it would specifically the type of game that you wanted hmm and the one what i would prefer something that wasn't strictly certainly something that isn't just squad based skirmishy sort of stuff against monsters whatever but to actually have some sort of level of interaction and politics and actually have that built into the system. I'm trying to think of what would be what would be the most ideal for that. But yeah. I heard good things about rain back in the mm, day. Yeah. Uh, there should be some warfare and, and drama as well. Mm, Something I think, that's I middle, think there was, but it didn't have ground. the whole thing of how do we affect our you know, our, our broader society. Mm. Which I think was one of the one roll engine games from Recollection. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe fate. Maybe get back on the fate, fate train. Mm, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something, something. Yeah, I do like the idea of the horror, yeah, hor- horrible and brutal, large scale battles happening at a very small scale mm. for very big stakes that are also very small stakes. Yes, and it's and literally kind of the the idea that they've some. I think it's important that they've taken the names. And, and they've absorbed some, it's like the the fragments of the culture of a place where they're living, like you know the the, the diehard alliance called the Homeowners Association. It's like the, the idea that they've kind of absorbed some of this petty bullshit, but they've now transformed it into because of the the, the change of the, the the stakes and the scales they're working at into this life or death struggle for survival and. Yeah, just made it, and, and I guess it's a commentary on like the the how 
a bit of perspective might change the apparent importance of something that's going on. So, yeah. And I do like the idea of the, the Homeowners Association being this despotic and tyrannical organization that is constantly levying people for the war fund. <laughs> if one wants to inject a little bit of commentary into it in that way, I have absolutely no problems. <laughs> Personal thing. Um, a certain amount of sabotage to get rid of the prestige of having gardens. Hmm. Yeah, this thing, I'm, I'm liking this. Apart from the uh, the Leroy being the king and it being the inciting incident, I have not delved deeply into the nature of the hedge of edge or why it's missing. The ideas of like ca- hedgehog cavalry and um, various other hilarity, though, does appeal to me. Mm. Well, I mean, the hedge of edge could be the um, you know, the source of crops for the empire. It could be you know, being grown in a safe place away from bird life, that kind of thing. Yep, it's very much a seed of an idea. If people wanted to play tiny feudal champions and warlords and um, politicians and, and... I figure there's probably a market. I mean, Pugmire and Monarchies of Mao sold pretty well. Yeah, I should... I think I've got some PDF copies. I know, I, I do. Probably have a read of those. I didn't... I mean, the artwork was cute, cute as a button, so... Oh, yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah, excellent. Something to build upon, not 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 too much. Like it's a it's a it's a well. I'm not sure I've seen it exceptionally well me- uh, mechanically represented, but it's a it's an it's an old it's an old saw as far as RPG goes. You know, Warring Kingdoms and and Valiant Heroes. I'm not sure I've seen mm. a system that's excellent at saying what you what you do here affects these greater things except for oh yeah we we can narrate we can narrate that stuff and maybe you don't feel like that's necessary maybe you just want to make sure that you, know, you 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 roll the dice and you 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 hew the foes and you you'll see what happens after that but i'd like to see some more mechanical sort of influence carry on to the bigger picture some some something from the micro scale to the macro scale uh, from the personal scale to the macro scale yeah, connection, con- yeah. Yeah, to connect them somehow. Because otherwise, you know, so there is at least, you know, there is a functioning, because that is, well, that's how those stories work, you know. You focus on a bunch of heroes and they do a thing and it accomplishes a great thing and it changes, this th- uh, it changes the way the world works. It would make sense to me if mechanically that had a, you know, the the, the journey of the heroes actually influence the larger story rather than oh we just got to be here in the right place and stab dude dude a a number of times and it's all good mm. i mean that is the the plot of like conan the barbarian most of the time but <laughs> I'd like yeah to. i'm taking ta- I'm, yeah, take taking the elephant in the room of of lord of the rings mm. you would you, know, you would want a circumstance where the the forces of evil you know the longer it's been since anybody's heard from the Fellowship, and the more it's looking like the Fellowship aren't doing well, the forces of evil start to get the upper hand. You would want that level of linking. And yeah. that maybe it can work the other way, that a big battle, well, in fact, yeah, much like it happens in the movie, at least, because I read the book a while ago and I genuinely can't remember, the you know the great battle outside the gates of Mordor to buy Frodo and Sam enough time to do what they need to do. Yeah, so it that, feeds back in the other direction. Yeah, no, that, that's a good example. The other one might be even like something like the scouring of the Shire, is that, all right, we are going to do this, that things are desperate, we are going to do this nigh-impossible thing, but as a consequence, there there is a consequence, there is something on the back end that we all have to deal with. And the fact that they, they that what they had, you know, what they'd accomplished to date basically added up to, oh yeah, you did the thing, you, you changed the world, but the world has has rebounded and changed your home, kind of thing. And having that built in, rather than rather, with the players knowingly saying, "This is probably kind of going to bite us in the ass later," but we, we're, we're going to play we're going to play these cards now, rather than the GM going, "Well, you get home and everything's fucked." Ha ha! Mm. It seems it seems like um, Mr. Tolkien. It seems like Mr. Tolkien being a very very poor sport as a GM when in fact he's telling the story that you know. You went out into the world and it changed you, and you can never go. You can never go back mm. p- to precisely what happened before because 
Yeah. So yeah. It's, when, it's, you, when you get back home, your home may just be unrecognizable. In and, and, and to a degree, you may be unrecognizable to those you, that you left behind. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a way of putting, making a thematic kind of uplift into the story, which I think is, I really like. I'd like to be inter- interested to see more. Cool. Hmm. Yeah. Yay. I yeah. accomplished a thing. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and you can have some real fun with, like, art within the text of the game. Because, like, if you don't have a gnome with a, you know, some, you know, using, using a pencil or something as a weapon, or yeah. a lawn dart, <laughs> what are you even doing? There's lots of opportunities to plug in references, and uh, and please, uh, and I suspect people, certainly, certainly illustrators working in that world would have plenty of fun. It's a tiny bit red wall, but I do remember vaguely a children's book from probably the 90s that I probably saw when I was working at a station, as maybe even earlier, where there were like badgers and hedgehogs and so forth, dressed as like medieval characters, but they had like hot water bottles instead of chain maces, you know, instead of the spiky balls on the end of a, a flail. Huh. Weird stuff like that. Super cute kind of stuff, but yeah, it's like, it kind of invokes that kind of. That sort of that sort of incongruous thing, but more bloodthirsty. Which is cool. Yeah. Cool. So, what what has Craig got to share with us? Well, for a while there, I was genuinely worried that we had a uh, "you sunk my battleship" situation, but fortunately, fortunately, we did not. Leroy's missing hedge veg. I mean, I did actually have to query with Alex what hedge veg meant in this context. Is it a pot reference? I don't uh, know. No. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so... Um, I mean, it could be for for the purposes of my idea, but it turns out that (laughs) I I had been imagining it as basically, like, the effectively small garden gardening, the sort of thing, because a lot lot of the houses in the UK have practically no front yard. Like, you might have a foot or so of gravel between the inner edge of the pavement and the front of the house. And I, I had kind of imagined that hedge veg might be the sort of thing of, okay, so you've planted a hedge and maybe you're trying to grow some vegetables in the space that remains. Mm. But it turns out this isn't actually the case. What hedge veg in this context uh, refers to is basically the, you've grown some vegetables, you've put them in an honesty box in front of the hedge. Oh. And, you know, it's kind of a, somebody wants to buy some carrots, you've got a price list, or maybe they just drop some coins in for what seems to be a reasonable amount. You know, you see the same thing in New Zealand, except it tends to be a little, like it'll be a little stand with a cover over it. Mm, and again, mm. the honesty box, cash box kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that that is what hedge veg is. So it's more of a like an investment term. New. Hedge fund? No. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back. I'll go back in my uh, my holder. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to buy a house has changed you, man. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah the late stage capitalism of it all. <laughs> um. Okay. So much like you, I kind of went with the you know let's take something and apply it in a relentlessly mundane setting. Mm-hmm. Though I was thinking more your hot fuzz. Shaun of the Dead, World's End kind of kind of approach. Solid. So, you know, in this case, Leroy's missing hedge veg. Yeah, could be stuff that is pinched from you know vegetables being grown in the shelter of a hedge, or it could be stuff that's being pin- that has been pinched from the the honesty box. Or because I quite like that suggestion, the idea that somebody is actually growing illegal plant life, so presumably marijuana of some form. Uh, using a hedge as shelter and somebody's come along and pinched it. And as seems to be my, my thing at the moment, this is really just the inciting incident for what happens next. Mm-hmm. I see this being the, the sort of game, and this is this is something that, that former Couchateers and I kicked around at one point. I think you may have been there for some of the, the conversations as well. You know, the idea of a town where everybody's got a secret... And everybody's got a secret that's worth, maybe not worth killing over, but under the right circumstances, they might just do that. Maybe, because I quite like the idea that, you know, everybody's, everybody's got their actual secret. And then there's the other secret, the secret that people think they know that isn't necessarily the actual truth. And 
you know, this this missing hedge veg, which could just be some swiped carrots or or somebody's gone and nicked your dope plantation, basically just kicks off this slow and remorseless spiral into madness and chaos of just suspicion and accusation and recrimination. And I, I quite like the idea that at the end of this, because I think it's short I think it's a short run game, at least what I have imagined is a short run game. At the end of it, the 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 players you know, the, the player characters are probably sitting on a hill somewhere overlooking the town, possibly passing a bottle back and forth. There's gonna be some injuries, there's gonna be a black eye or two. Half the town is on fire, there's gunfire coming from the old folks' home for some reason. And the entire thing has just descended into chaos and madness. So basically a game of just escalating suspicions. I don't know what the system is, though. You could you could go somewhere with Fiasco. Mm, yeah, I suspect it's, it's possibly a modified Fiasco without the twist. So it just keeps ramping up until everything explodes. Mm. From your description, I briefly thought that the idea might be to do it retrospectively. So you wind Ooh. up with the, uh, the situation, which is in chaos, and you know there's a gun, there's still a gunfight going at the old folks' home. But you've got to kind of work your way up to it to say, "All right, Ooh. how did has, we get here? Well, how did yes, how did we get to this? This clearly, this situation has become out of control. How did it get here? Yeah, it can be interesting. That's quite a nice way of doing it. Fiesta kind of sets up all of the pieces, then kind of sees how they play out but yeah you could be trying to play towards the the circumstance that you're um that has been wrought Mm, that's quite fun okay i hadn't i hadn't thought of trying would you try to do the whole game backwards or would you sort of start with that final scene jump back to the beginning and then kind of run it forwards that is an interesting question because it could be way too easy to go all right so this place is on fire and this place is underwater and you jump back to it and you're immediately talking about those two places becoming being lit on fire and becoming underwater that you've kind of you've already jumped kind of the the third act so <clears throat> you probably need some way to get it to telescope out a bit more to have to basically do some misdirects first resolve those mis- so do the misdirects at the start set up like the players the 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 actors in the drama then do a bunch of things and set up some some misdirections that other things things that 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 might cause the event but might also not cause the event the set the the middle section to basically where you resolve those misdirections and you start pointing things to where the, where you resolved it and the third act is where you go right these we we draw a straight line from these situations, regardless of how ridiculous it's gotten and has gotten. We draw as straight a line as we can to the final scene. Hmm. You'd probably have to inventory to some degree, so you don't have like too many supporting characters introduced at the end of like this the act two or something like that. You have to think about story structure and how you focus different things because the idea would be kind of blow it out first so there's all there's enough there's enough pieces to work with mm. uh, and then you you set up the tensions and so forth then you eliminate some of the pieces and you, you resolve some of the tensions and then you do the final stretch to uh, to get to your your view from the hillside of the, the small town partially in ruins and partially uh, elementally compromised hmm well yeah sort of <sighs> But yeah, this, I mean, this is basically an, an idea without a, a system behind it. I mean, in an odd way, I'm thinking of Our Last Best Hope, which I did play at a convention, and it is not my sort of game, but it does have the, it does have a kind of a built-in, um, a built-in structure of things are going to go horribly wrong and mm. your terrible secrets are going to come out. It, it makes me wonder whether you could come up with something where this sort of, you know, effectively a an in-game mechanism for taking the heat off yourself. Oh, nice. Is to expose the secret of someone else. But maybe if you put in some sort of multiplier in there that you sort of, at the same time that you expose a secret of something of, of someone else, that necessarily triggers another thing in the broader community. Because mm, mm. it, it, yeah, it's a doom, it's a doom trap. It's it's yeah. it's. 
It's, um, I can do this for my benefit, but it's going to damn everybody. So less, less, last best open, oh, fuck me, what now? Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I would, I would, in an ideal world, I'd, <laughs> I'd probably want the, um, the situation to be that you've got, yeah, you've got the player characters, they do their thing, by the end of the game, you know, all of their secrets, both the suspected and the actual, are out. Some level of catharsis has been reached, which is why they're all now sitting on a hillside watching the town being destroyed or destroying itself over the shit that they themselves created. There's got to be like a, a, fin, a like a final shot of a film that basically functions like that. The, the, thing, world, the world's end was a little like that, or yeah. I mean, I was thinking that the, the, I mean. If you assume that the movie The Thing only has two uh, player characters in it, that's pretty much the end of The Thing. Everything's in ruins, they're completely fucked, let's have a drink. Yeah. I'm... Also, one of us might be a monster. Yeah, and, my, my, and may not even be aware of the fact, so... Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, the... Um, I don't recall that there is an image of my head, you know, with a, with a crane shot and the people looking in a... in, like, vaguely glassy-eyed disbelief at what has, what has happened... As 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 you know, as fire and stuff, sort of explosions happen and, and fireballs roll away from what's going on. It's like the, the very much a sensation of like you know how, how some films go. Right, yes, victory. The good guys have won. Uh, history has ended. We don't need to worry about what's going on. It's like this is more like the well, this happened. <laughs> yes, we we got rid of the aliens. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, events transpired. There is no more story than this point, but it's not because it's a happy, it's a happy ending or a, a, um, a sense of closure. It's just like, no, this is what happened. (laughs) Yeah. And we're done. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, presumably the characters go on to do other things unless it's like particularly grim, but there is no more to tell about this, this event. And yeah, the, the the lasting conclusion is it it could have gone better. Yeah, yeah. Mistakes were made. It's mm, mm. <laughs> a, a good aim with the yeah. Mistakes mm. were made is a good um, <laughs> a good sort of actually. Answer. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. That has yes, a the, the horrible, terrible, no good day or something like that. Yeah, that sort of evoke that sort of precipitous decline to um, a uh, comic resolution. I think the original the, the original idea of this one, it would probably still work, was the idea of a... I think I was thinking of it under the banner of McCarthyville. Um, yeah. This is effectively setting things during the Reds under the bed paranoia of US Senator Joe McCarthy. And just the notion of all of the different horrifying secrets that people could have and might be tempted to do terrible things to protect during that era. And how it could all go awfully, awfully wrong. <coughs> Unpleasant, Phil. Yeah. I mean, also just the idea that somebody might move the wrong bottle in somebody's uh, lovingly created downstairs bar and then an entire wall sort of rotates around to reveal a singing bust of Vladimir Lenin. Um, that kind of thing. Mm, very nice. Yeah. You know, it, it got pretty weird towards the end. Um, I think Kiev liked the phrase of hypothetical dancing robot bears <laughs> as a phrase. Indeed. <laughs> Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, the, uh, yes, a, a framework for a framework for cascading cathartic farce is uh, is an interesting one. The it, it's it's not quite a, it's it's almost a party game. It doesn't sound like something you'd want to do over too many sessions because you don't want to get too invested. No, in them. Yeah, I I, I pro- probably start with last best hope and fiasco as kind of. I think you've also got to, as a, a, a bit of a leavening agent, and also to make it not, to keep the, the, the humour, is inject a bit of Pilgrims of the Flying Temple as well. Oh, yeah. So that there is a little bit more, um, a bit more whimsy for a start. And also just the the idea that, yeah, basically the idea of kids, that the, the letter, possibly, the description of the scenario is how you, is how you channel it. Maybe as a form of an after-action report, or or like a a news uh, a news article about what's going on. You can use that to um, populate your your little your little uh, environment. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's a nice thought. Because mm. it does mm. mean you don't have to, to a great extent, you don't have to preload the, you know, what's what's the extra effect of you diverting suspicion? Because that's what the rest of the players are there for. And they are far better at drop it, dropping um, rabid badges into each other's laps than, you, than the GM ever will be. Indeed, I mean the I, I if, if you could find a, a less a less specific version of the um, the way that the pilgrims uh, names are like what are they good at and what are they how do they get into trouble and it's having a sort of evocative way of like the the secrets are good but a way of pointing to them mm. would be I mean if it's if it, like if it's the at the level of like the Cluedo characters names I get it yeah. yeah. So. So it's a real, real vague kind of gesture towards those things. And maybe, you know, I think the secrets sound like a good driver, you know, same way that, you know, they make, they help make apparent Annoya game a horrible mess, having like mutations and secret societies, things that people, strictly speaking, are useful, but designed to get the characters in trouble. Hmm. No, this, this one, this one bears more, um, cogitation, but I like it. It's got a, it's, it's a neat, a neat twist on, yeah, effectively like a, a party game for, you know, just those people who, who are, who are like to see, oh yeah, what if Miss Marple was the serial killer or something like, like that? Oh, uh, yes. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, Miss, cool. yeah, Miss, Miss Marple and, uh, and Angela Lansbury, both serial killers. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I like it. Hmm. So, th- so that was my one. Uh, and we also have an idea from John. And John writes, While not a proper game, this is more of an adventure setter, a plot hook for an enterprising GM to springboard off. Well, on with the idea. Dude, proclaimed Leroy the Druid. Dude, it's totally bogus, man. He takes a long drag of halfling pipeweed. It's like gone, man. I went out in the forest to gather shrooms and herbs and stuff yesterday, and when I got home, this, this... Seems to be a long trench dug into the forest loam with various vegetables lying on the ground around it. Like, dude, they they stole my... I, I had to insert, totally. They totally stole my hedge veg. Totally. Asterix, stuff is a family-friendly term used here for a different noun. Leroy the Druid, he has a surname, but no one remembers it. Jackson, Johnson, or something starting with J, is a former warrior who, after a disastrous raid on some orcs, changed jobs and decided to become one with nature and get stoned out of his tiny little mind. Grounded, he's a good druid, but he's no longer an adventurer, and he's sworn off that years ago. He now makes recreational herb mixtures that act as a tonic for his jangled nerves. Yes, that's what he does. He makes a fair profit off of his trade, enough for him to buy the seedlings of a hedge veg. A hedge veg is a form of cornucopia plant, one that makes multiple edible vegetables or fruits. Leroy's grew various greens, peas, beans, broccoli, rice, a few other vegetables. It grew enough that he never had to worry about buying food. Instead, he saved up his coin for more recreational pursuits. But now, the hedge veg is gone, dug up from the very very ground and transported away. Leroy will pay a substantial sum for the safe return of his beloved plant, and throw in some herbs for good measure. So, what happened to Leroy's precious hedge veg? Was it absconded with by a group of royal gardeners vying for the position of an imperial royal gardener? See, episode 121, BRC. Or was the hedge veg stolen by a vengeful former comrade of Leroy's, seeking payback for the failed raid? Also, is this a singular event or one of many plaguing the region? Magical parts being stolen for some nefarious purpose? Well, I don't know. It's a plot hook. We'll leave this up to the GM to finally decide what's going on, dude. Nice. <laughs> it's a very D and D. Yeah, but it could be Cheech and Chong, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. D and D or dude, where's my hedge veg? Indeed. No, it, it, it's a it's a it's a nice twist on the 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 baffling plant that that makes you know arbitrary objects that happens to be like fruit. It, it's classic. Um, and yes, the, the possibilities that, that I, I particularly like the callback to one of our other episodes. So it might be a bunch of mm. overly uh, acquisitive royal gardeners arriving for a, partic- for a particular plant. Oh, the British. 
Look, it's in a museum now. You couldn't possibly move it. Yes, that's quite, that's, that's fun. And I was already getting into the Leroy the Druid character <laughs> somehow. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Interesting little thing. Of course, if you wanted to go sort of a, a slightly more disturbing, uh, turn, you, you head off to like Lovecraftian or war, or against the Chateau kind of thing. Maybe the hedge veg moved itself. I had been, I hadn't thought of the war against the Chitor bit. I had been thinking Day of the Triffids. Yes, yes. They have, I, I think they're like maternity trees or something like that. They're, they're literally the, the, they're, they're the, uh, the, the sea, they're basically biological engines which grow the plethora, or at least the, the, the initial forms of the Chitoran, um, biosphere that starts taking over Earth. And they can move, albeit slowly and ponderously, but they're basically, when they get established, they basically become the, um, the, the, the wombs for all of the other terrifying, uh, creatures and diseases that start consuming the Earth. Because, you. Well, it comes from what they're, the, 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 the Chitorans are probably biological weapons, but they also come from a plant with like five billion years of evolutionary history. So the the interdependencies and relationships are absurdly complex. So and very adaptable. <laughs> so apparently, and very bitey. Oh, so bitey. <laughs> there there are a few things that don't bite, but they're largely food for the things that do. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that would be a, that would be a, a way more disturbing way to take it. But yes, the idea that you know maybe that's the. Uh, Maybe, maybe the, the person flogging hedge, the, the, the miraculous hedge veg plant only has one and just basically does a, uh, the coin on a string trick to, um, <laughs> to, 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 uh, to bilk his uh, customers. Or, uh, yeah, there is some, there is some terrible magic plant based, maybe it's like Dutch elm disease, but it makes them wander around randomly. Um, oh yeah, somebody just went, ooh, that's a nice, nice source of salad. I will nick it. Hmm, lots of options, for sure. Yeah, I, I am liking that as I, I mean, the, the, the walking, yes, the, it walked off by itself gets increasingly creepy the more you think about it. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, if you find that other people's hedge veggies have also walked off by themselves and, the guy who sells them is in the process of panic, yeah, sort of panically uh, throwing everything he owns into a carpet bag in order to make a run for it because he's figured out that possibly that guy who sold them a bunch of uh, hedge veg uh, seedlings at a cut price may not have actually been the uh, the honest businessman he took him to be. Yes, they're all they're all standing in a circle, chanting and swaying somewhere. It's like uh, not a good sign. Yeah, it could be an int moot. Probably not. <laughs> hey, maybe the the plant itself is on a, on a heroic quest, and you get to um, and the, the the players get to. I mean, it's 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 a tree. The players are unlikely to have convenient options to um, to return it uh, if it is not willing. So, but maybe it is it is your whole. It's heard the call of adventure, and now you've got to go and help your giant leafy party member fulfill their destiny before you get go you get it will go back to um to to, to it, it's perfectly happy hanging out with Leroy I mean he's cool he doesn't ask he doesn't ask very much of a, of, of a plant but for this moment the the hedge of hedge must strike out and um, and confront its uh, its destiny actually that would be hilarious that's awesome <laughs> that is I want to play that game that is fantastic <laughs> Like the party are literally playing second fiddle to a shrub. Yeah, to to salad. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty fun. I it was like, okay, this is this is this is like a classic, exciting fight the the monsters adventure. But we've got to sneak with a tree. Yeah, like it's not going to be a small tree either. It's got to be. I'm, I'm thinking like a like a thick the two C's like a baobab kind of. Is that? Yeah, there's a like stocky trunked kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, 
not real tall, not real big, but kind of, kind of, kind of chunky. It's like, they go, okay, we gotta find a place to, um, we gotta, you know, we gotta find a place to sleep, or we have to, we have to travel great distances or something. It's like, oh, this is wildly inconvenient. One of your family members is, weighs a ton and needs, like, a place to, uh, put their roots down at night. <laughs> Yeah, and moves at speeds at th- speeds of three. Um, <laughs> so you know, this thing writes itself. This is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that would be, that would be pretty fun. I think it would be quite cool. I mean, your players will want to have. Uh, actually, no. If if we're uh, if if either of us are running a game, the players need to have a uh, tolerance for the ridiculous, which is reasonably on the high side anyway. So that that's all. Yeah. Um, yeah. They had to know it, know what they was getting into. <laughs> they've had 151 episodes to realise what they're getting into there really is no excuse at this point I mean, I'm quite liking the idea that the plant is ridiculously slow moving except when nobody's looking yeah. just so that you can do the whole thing of okay where's he gone <clears throat> you know, how is it yeah, how is it peering over the ridge line <coughs> of a three story building it's a plant how did it get up there, still in its barrel? Indeed. Well, yes, or maybe it is incredibly stealthy, provided you know you, you you've got a, a day or two. <laughs> no one notices a tree just kind of hanging out. <laughs> it's like you just keep putting it in increasingly more and more ridiculous situations where it's I'm just a tree camouflage shouldn't work. It's like, sir, there's always been a tree by the, by the by the throne. I was just thinking that. The player sort of dragged it to the throat room and there's the tree inexplicably with some sort of royal cloth draped around the barrel, just like there by the throne. Yeah. Nobody really seems to have noticed. One of the the pennants or banners is like partially strung from it. It's like, yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Drops a coconut on the Grand Vizier at precisely the right part of the time. Aha, backstab. (laughs) This is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Inexplicably, the plant is a rogue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see now i'm just remembering that that picture of the uh the gelatinous cube swashbuckler mm. um I, as far as systems go it kind of depends on how you want to do it you could you could take something like kids on bikes which does have the whole powered person thing that you know, effectively the tree is probably the most powerful member of the party yeah i mean it's it's a magical tree that can produce all sorts of fruit and is inexplicably mobile. Mm. Uh, so you could have some fun with it that way, but that, that, because you probably don't want somebody playing the tree. That would take a lot of the fun out of it. Indeed, indeed. This is, this is <laughs> yeah, this uh, is your GMP tree. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so we're deliberately setting up to run that game. No, but yes. <laughs> but no, but yes, but no, but yes. But yes, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but actually, yes. But actually. That, that 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 I am yes that is the direction I am tempted to take it. I mean, you could yeah. play it a perfectly straight rescue the tree adventure. You know, we've all been there, but I think that would be more fun. We really haven't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speak for yourself. I, I I have never done a rescue the tree adventure. I've done a dis- dispose of the weird amulet adventure, but I've never done the um the the, the, the rescue the tree adventure. I mean, I'm liking the idea of the um, sort of twisting it the other way and going more sort of more monstrous Day of the Triffidsy on it. That you know, Leroy's Leroy's missing hedge veg. You know, they because like it's a tree. Presumably, it leaves a trail, as it were, mm-hmm. when you follow it, and you realise that there there have been a lot of these around. Yeah, the, the trails start to converge. And yeah. Like and they're yeah. all converging on the town, and they're basically forming a ring around it and growing. Hmm. Well, uh, well the first way, the, the the livestock have been been fed, and and they're growing fat and um, ready for harvest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow! That's dark, man. <laughs> I like it. That is dark. Yeah. The rise of the vegetable kingdoms. Indeed. Vaster than empires and yet more slow. <laughs> the, um, yeah. Which is more or less the plot of the, the Brian Alders book, Hot House, but, um, yeah. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Thank you, John. That's a 
that that's a marvellous idea. We've we've enjoyed making terrible things out of it. And yet I feel no shame. Indeed. Ah, well. It's always next time. <laughs> mm. We have plenty of time for shame in the next episode. And uh, following up for that magnificent segue, we have an announcement about what the next episode will be. What is coming up? An episode not just 152, but also 153. Yes, the votes came in at a dead heat. And this is after multiple re-votes in, recounts in Georgia. The country, not the state. Just want to make that one clear. I, I, I don't know why we outsource our uh, poll taking to Georgia. I mean... They have very competitive rates. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. So, coming up, next episode, episode 152 of The Big Red Couch, is Floating Steel Reef. And continuing with the somewhat nautical theme, episode 153 is Four Kilometres of Imitation Crab. Is that nautical or nauseating? I'm very First hazy. one, then the other. <laughs> First one, yep, that's fair, that's fair. All right. And uh, as we have two episodes lined up and it's careening into the silly season, no poll uh, for this time, but we might ask for a few... Well, we're always open to suggestions for ideas to go into the poll options for future episodes. We'd love to hear... Certainly, the, the you can see the format that we're working with. Short, piffy, and totally incomprehensible statements that you'd like to see turned into a, uh, an RPG. So... I mean, quite why, with that setup, you'd, you'd come to us, because have you not been paying attention for the previous 151 episodes? We literally have no idea what we're doing. Look, it seems unlikely there are no new listeners, and our shtick is not self-explanatory in any way, so I think it is on a... It behooves us to occasionally mention that is what we do. That is that is true. Not too often, because it will just sound weird, but occasionally. <laughs> and let's face it, with our accents... We sound weird enough already. Indeed. We're terribly sorry. So. <laughs> that really should be the Big Red Couch. Yeah. yeah. The, the Big Red Couch RPG podcast. We're terribly sorry. <laughs> so, thank you for your kind attention. And we will see you next time for Floating Steel Reef. Good night, everyone. And if you happened to observe it for yesterday when this was recorded, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Yes, a nice, safe Thanksgiving. Socially distant Thanksgiving. Yeah. Which basically just sounds like a Thanksgiving where people really aren't interested in talking because they've had too much turkey. That's fair. Good night, everybody. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!